Today on Locked on Horns Rocks, the three things from the TCU-Colorado game that concern me the most for TCU moving forward. Obviously, the defense is one of them. We're going to start today with some concerning comments about Sonny Dykes. He said his team was not ready to play. Is this becoming a trend? Is this something that we need to watch out for moving forward? We'll discuss it next here on Locked on Horned Frogs. You are Locked on Horned Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horned Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. That's right, Locked On Horn Frogs, your team every day in a minute. Did Sonny Dykes, was he not able to get his team ready to play against Colorado? Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, Locked On Horn Frogs. It's been a crazy week. Like, I really appreciate the support from. Um, from folks out there, almost got like 100 subscribers this week, which has never happened for me before. Uh, we're coming up on 900 total for the channel, which is really cool. Um, so continue to subscribe if you would, if you haven't. And you can also find me uh, on on different audio platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the Google Play, all the general ones that you use, uh, podcast apps, that is. Um, so subscribe there as well. You can rate it. You can review it, all those things. You can follow me on Twitter, at SimcockSteven. The show is at Locked On TCU. Um, I'm going to discuss today the three most concerning things for TCU from that game against Colorado. And I'd love to hear from you in the YouTube comments. I've tried to respond to a lot of people. It's been sort of overwhelming, the response lately, which I, I love that. I love that people are chiming in. Uh, please continue to do that. If I don't get to your, your comment, I'm sorry. But um, I'm going to try to have like a more robust audience reaction segment on tomorrow's show. Um, but I've loved seeing people's thoughts on the matchup, on the game, on the start of the season for TCU. And obviously, you know, a lot of Colorado supporters have, have been kind of in and out as well, um, which appreciate you guys following along. But I, I want to hear from uh, people today. If you're a TCU fan or if you're not, you just are a casual observer and you want to chime in, biggest concerns for the Frogs that you took away from this football game. Um, and I'm going to start with – I'm always careful not to talk a lot about effort, mentality, motivation, because I, I think there's a lot, like, as media members, commentators, fans, that we don't see behind the scenes, and everyone's wired differently. Like, I personally am someone who doesn't – I just don't show a ton of outward emotion, and sometimes people can – mistake that for indifference. So I try to be aware of the fact that like we're getting a snapshot, like what we see in games is a snapshot of what's happening um, with these players and these coaches. But this is not me speculating. Like Sonny Dyke said this in his postgame presser. Um, he said the team's mentality was not up to par on Saturday. And I'm going to read this because I want to make sure I get it right and I don't misquote him. Um he said in his opening statement in that press conference after the loss Saturday, I thought Colorado was uh, better prepared to play. I thought they were more ready to play. They are more excited to play. They showed more determination down the stretch. And he kind of ended his opening statement by saying, I thought our guys felt like they were too good to play this team today. And obviously we found out that we weren't. Um, so pretty blunt comments there, which I appreciate that. I appreciate the honesty and the transparency. Um, but I 
I am pretty baffled by the idea. Like, I understand being confident. TC was 20-point favorites going into this game. I was pretty confident through the week that they were going to win. Um, I know a lot of our, a lot of the fans, a lot of TC supporters that listen to the show, watch the show, were super confident as well. Uh, you know, and, and we can be, honestly. Like, we're not playing the games. I'm here doing a, a show where I give my opinions. So I'm going to have strong opinions. I think that's the point. I want people to respond and have strong opinions themselves. Um, but the team obviously has to – show a ton of respect for their opponent and, you know, play with an edge and play with confidence. But there's a fine line there between being confident, feeling like you should win and um, just not taking your opponent seriously enough, which like I get, they were heavy favorites, but all I heard all summer and all off season from this group was that they were ready to play. They were ready to get back on the field. They had a bad taste in their mouth from the national championship game. Um, You know, they lost to Georgia in an embarrassing fashion, and they wanted to rectify that. The narrative around TCU football this offseason was, well, it was a fluke. It was, you know, um, they got got lucky. Uh, They won a lot of close games. They were fortunate. Michigan wasn't prepared. And I think a lot of that is, is unfair. Like, TCU won the games, regardless of how impressive it was, they won the games in front of them. They went 12-0 in the regular season. They beat Michigan on neutral field in a game where they were heavy underdogs. Um, and then they fell on their face in the national title game. And on Saturday, they got beat fair and square by a Colorado team that at least in that game, in that moment, was better. They were the better football team. And I was uh, I was surprised, and I was wrong about this. Like, I, I kind of had this view in my mind of Dion being more of like a talent acquisition guy. And he certainly excels at that. He is a hall of fame player that everyone respects. Um, He has incredible charisma and confidence about him. I think the team takes on that mentality. Um, But this was a well-coached team. Colorado was coached well. Dion and his staff outcoached Sonny Dykes on Saturday. They had a good game plan. Uh, They had adjustments during the game and uh, you know, apparently their team, according to Coach Dykes, like their team played with more effort and more intensity. They were more physical. I, I said a lot last week, like TCU can be the more physical football team. Um, and Colorado gave up a lot of rushing yards, but, you know, their defense stood up a couple times when they had to. Uh, and TCU's didn't. But, man, I just – I am – I'm kind of at a loss with everything that we know about this group. And with all they went through last year, and yeah, it's a different team, but there's like there's a lot of core pieces that were on last year's team that they would underestimate someone and not get after it with this mentality of okay, we're gonna pro- like we're gonna prove people wrong because there was plenty of ammunition, right? I mean, they they were picked to finish fifth in the preseason Big Twelve poll. Um, ultimately, they were ranked in the top twenty-five, but they were in the back half of the top twenty-five. Um, there were a lot of comments about, well, you know, we'll see what they do this year, right? Like, we'll see what happens now that Max Duggan and Quentin Johnson, all these these people are gone. Um, and to just show up and lay an egg does not instill a lot of confidence. And now this is the second game in a row, and I get they're totally different situations and, in some sense, different teams. But they weren't ready to play in the national championship game. I mean – I don't want to be harsh. I don't want to be unfair about it. 
things got away from them early and they kind of snowballed and they just, they couldn't get off the mat. Um, and last season there were a lot of games where frankly, they just started slow I, and they ended up coming back and winning, but you know, against Oklahoma, against Oklahoma state, they fell behind early um, against Kansas state in the regular season. They fell behind by three scores in the first half against Baylor last year. Didn't get off to a great start. Ended up in a track meet against West Virginia. Struggled through three quarters against Texas Tech. Like there were a lot of games last season where it took them some time to figure things out. And I know like part of that was it seems like Joe Gillespie. And I, I get this is another source of frustration for fans. Um, it seems like Joe Gillespie, especially early in games, likes to kind of play, play back, play soft coverage, try to keep things in front of them not take a lot of risk, sort of feel out what the offense is doing, and then make adjustments. Um, they didn't do a great job of making adjustments on Saturday, and I don't really think they ever got out of their their kind of base set, which was you know, big cushions for these wide receivers, trying to, make, trying to rally up and make tackles, which they didn't do that well, um, and not a lot of ag- aggression, not a lot of intensity, I guess, um, or – risk-taking from the defensive coaching staff in their game plan. Um, and so the the coaching staff has to figure out, like, why why is this happening? Why are they starting slow? Why does it take them a while to get into a rhythm? Um, and what's going on with the mentality of this team? You know, we, we heard them talk a lot about they're going to have a chip on their shoulder. They're going to be a, a group that – takes it to people and, and wants to prove like last season was what it was, but that's not the end. TCU is building up and moving forward and they still have time to do these things. Like they still have time to, to flip the script. It's one game against the Colorado team that I think is really good and is going to win a significant number of games in the PAC 12 this season. But uh, frogs got to figure this out because you can't keep coming out flat and expecting to win football games. Um, and there was so much in front of them. I mean, even this game itself, like, yes, they were the heavy favorites. And from what I could tell, most people picked them to win. But everybody was talking about Colorado, and rightly so. Like, it's a huge story. I get why they were. But the team could have spun that and used that as disrespect. Um, But they didn't do that. I mean, they didn't really bottle that up. It didn't seem like this was a group that came out angry and ready to rock and roll. Um, And so that might be my biggest concern. And I know at the end of the game, like guys didn't stick around to sing the alma mater. And there are um, fans and alums that are very upset about that. I understand the emotions there. Me personally, I mean, Jeremiah Donati and Sonny Dykes came out and said it was just simple miscommunication. Um, I personally am not like super upset about that. Maybe that's blasphemous, but that part doesn't bother me. Um, the slow starts bother me though. And this idea that this team with, yeah, last season was a great season, but the way things have been going the last few months um, and just the hunger, I thought they would come out of the gate with, it wasn't there. And to hear that according to coach Dykes, they were overconfident and maybe not completely locked in um, that, that gives me pause. But the good thing about that is, if it's, if it's just between the years, if it's just about changing that mentality, I mean, that is something that can happen. Like, that's not that's not adjusting personnel. That's not changing schemes. 
that's just finding what it is that's going to motivate this team and get them to a place where they're ready to play. When we come back, really rough day for the defense yesterday. And so we'll talk about that. Um, what do they do moving forward? How can they fix this if they can? If they can, excuse me, this is Locked On Home Frogs. Athletic Brewing, you see it. If you're watching on YouTube, you see uh, their website there at the bottom, athleticbrewing.com. They are doing revolutionary things in the non-alcoholic brew space. And they have a segment, Game Changer of the Week, brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Um, it, you know, who is the Game Changer of the Week for TCU? And it's they lost this week. So um, it's kind of hard to pick somebody. But I think Jared Wiley had a great football game. Had a great one-handed catch in the end zone. You know, finished the day with six catches for 69 yards and a touchdown. That was one of the few things that I was right about. In, the week, in this week one football game, well, I said, you know, this offseason, I thought Jared Wiley had a big year in front of him and in store for him, um, and he certainly looked the part on Saturday. So he's our game changer of the week, brought to you by Athletic Brewing, athleticbrewing.com. Um, they've completely changed the non-alcoholic beverage game. They make non-alcoholic brews that taste good, full flavor, well-crafted, um, just like your typical alcoholic drinks. Their brews are great tasting and award-winning, and they beat out full-strength drinks in global competitions. Uh, over 50 styles of crafts, so you can find what you need. You can find it in-store, online, and at bars across the country. They're the fastest-growing um, non-alcoholic beverage in the U.S., so get on board. What's your favorite thing about them? Um, find out today by going to athleticbrewingcompany.com. First-time customers can use the promo code LOCKEDON to get 15% off your first online order. Again, that's code uh L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for 15% off athleticbrewingcompany.com. Athletic Brewing Company, they are fit for all times. All right, uh, rolling along here on Locked on Horn Frogs. And the defense was, was bad on Saturday. Okay, there's no way around it. They were atrocious. Um, a lot of mistakes. Obviously, Sean Lewis and that offensive coaching staff at Colorado – um, they had things dialed up that were really bothering them. Uh, four different receivers for Colorado went over 100 yards, which is just unheard of. Uh, Dylan Edwards is technically running back, but he had five catches for 135 yards. Travis Hunter, 11 catches for 119. Xavier Weaver, six for 118. Jimmy Horn Jr., 11 for 117. So um, they were getting the ball to all their playmakers, doing what they wanted, really just scoring at will except for a – a nice little stretch in the third quarter um, and early in the second quarter as well, driving down and, and getting whatever they wanted in the passing game. Uh, I, I talked a lot this offseason and in the weeks leading up about how I thought the secondary was going to be a huge strength of this football team. Secondary didn't look great in, in this game. And, you know, D-line struggled to get pressure. They did end up with four sacks on the day. But defensive line struggled to get pressure consistently. Um, so I'll start with this. I'm, I'm never going to be in the business of policing people's thoughts. Like what I mean by that is I don't want to be the guy that tells you what to think. Okay. Like you can have the opinions you want to have about this. Um, there's a lot of fans that are angry at Joe Gillespie right now and are calling for his job. Uh, Joe Gillespie's not getting fired in the middle of the season. I guess it, like anything's possible. Um, so I can't say it's impossible but I highly doubt he's going to get let go in the middle of the year. And he's certainly not going to get let go 
um, after game one of year two. Okay. So like you can, you can ask for that. You can desire that, but it's really rare to see mid season coordinator changes in college football. And I, I just don't see that happening here. Um, I thought the defense last year was significantly better than the defense in 2021. I know that's a low bar, um, but the last few games have been really tough. I mean, starting in the second half against Michigan, obviously we talked about the Georgia game earlier and then giving up 45 points to Colorado and over 500 passing yards. Um, just not a good day defensively at all for this team. And for a group that is veteran laden and we thought could be the strength of this this team that would carry the offense for the first few weeks of the season, um, that was not the case. Uh, now, there are different things at play here. One thing that they can get cleaned up that will help a lot is just basic tackling. Um, this comes from Parker Fleming at Stats of War on Twitter. 52% of Colorado's receiving yards against TCU came after the catch. So a little over half of their receiving yards were yak yards, like catch the ball, get up field, make plays. Buffs forced 18 missed tackles per PFF. Um that's a lot of missed tackles. And honestly, it doesn't sound like I think there could be more that could be counted as missed tackles because it was all over the field. And there were certain moments where it was huge that Dylan Edwards screen pass that he took to the house. I think they missed four or five tackles. They had him in the backfield. Like they could have set up third and 12 on that first possession of the second half um, with a chance to get off the field and get the ball back. But instead it turns into, I think, a 75-yard touchdown um, for Dylan Edwards. And he's electric in the open field but you got to get the guy on the ground. And I mean, I could go through a lot of different situations. I know also like that first drive of the game for Colorado, I think they had third and eight, like at their own 43. Um, And there were some missed tackles that led to a first down. The, the game plan early um, was definitely like, all right, we're going to try, try to keep things in front of us, play soft coverage, allow them to kind of dink and dunk, but rally up and, and make plays. Um, well, they didn't – I mean, they just didn't make plays. They didn't make the tackles that they had to. And so that's one thing that um, that has to change. And Sonny Dyke said in, in his postgame presser they were going to get that cleaned up. But, I mean, it has to get done. Like, you can't – if you're going to be a defense that is bend but don't break and allows teams to get short underneath throws, um, then you have to be able to tackle or it turns into a disaster. Um, you know, the other thing here is – they're just – they're playing a very conservative style of defense right now. Um, and I know a lot of people are frustrated and mad about the three-three-five, And I, I've seen a lot of discussion about, well, you have to have four down linemen. I, I'm, I just want to say this. Like, having four down linemen, whether it's a, you know, a defensive end with his hand on the ground, like in more of a nine technique outside the tackle, or a stand-up rush end that is outside the tight end or the tackle um, – that's not like some magic elixir to get to the quarterback more. I mean, yes, it changes the numbers game. It changes, you know, it gives an extra person for the offensive line to account for. They can't double team as much at the point of attack um, and gives gives your pass rushers more one-on-one situations. But, like, I think this is more about bringing more pressure than lining up with four down linemen. That's not going to be some – like, yeah, if you rush with three, it's hard to get to the quarterback. Um, but also, it's just like guys got to get their blocks and win battles. You know, Paul Wale 
he's got to find a way to get home. Um, Dominic Williams, it's tough to do it from the interior, especially when you're typically getting blocked by a guard in the center. But he's kind of got to blow up the pocket, you know, from the inside. Caleb Fox or Tom Mitchell, somebody, somebody's got to get the quarterback. Last season, Dylan Horton became, you know, an NFL edge rusher. Like he was, by the end of the year, he was somebody that could find his way to the QB. Um, and they did a really good job in coverage behind him, and that it would allow him time to, you know, have moves and have counter moves and get to the quarterback. Um, I don't like, I don't get the delayed blitzes. I know there's a reason for it. I know you're trying to <clears throat> fool the quarterback, fool the O line, not let them know, not declare where the pressure is coming from. Um, but I just think it takes too long to develop. And when you have offenses like Colorado that are predicated on getting the ball out quick, um, it just doesn't work. Like there were so many times in that game where it looked like Shadur Sanders just kind of found out, okay, this is like, as soon as he saw that delayed blitz come, he was throwing over the top of that player. Um, and so I understand like the mentality of, okay, Colorado's got a lot of athletes. We're going to try to be conservative and not allow them to beat us over the top. But honestly, it didn't matter. I mean, they were still scoring. They're still scoring touchdowns. They still had a, a fair share of big plays. Um, and it was it was more breakdowns and tackling and execution than it was just one for one down the sideline, you know, corner DB, go get the football. But, like, what does it matter if you're still getting beat? At some point you have to find a way to disrupt the rhythm of the quarterback, disrupt the rhythm of these wide receivers uh, because they were never uncomfortable. And, yeah, I mean, got burned. There was just – there was confusion. There was coverage bust. There was there were plays where, you know, that fourth and two play where you're asking Jamoy Hodge to run sideline to sideline, essentially, to try to chase, chase down an explosive running back in Dylan Edwards. That's a tough ask for anybody. But for guys like Jamoy and Johnny Hodges, who are more in-the-box middle linebackers, that's a really hard thing to do. So, um, yeah, I mean, just all around – tough effort from from the defense. I think they can definitely be better. Uh, if they just clean up the tackling, that'll help a lot. And then finding just, just finding ways to scheme better, have some surprises, give the offense different looks. And maybe like the safety play last uh, yesterday was was really bad. And so maybe mixing in some of these younger players, um, just giving it a try, putting some more athleticism on the field, and seeing what happens. There's a lot of different options and, and a bunch of different ways they could go here. Um, but what's what's happening is not working. And they know that, and they're going to have to clean it up. Because um, after Nickel State, you get Houston and then SMU. And so those are two teams with good athletes that are going to try to, you know, make you defend the width of the field and make plays. Um, it's going to be tough. But the defense has to get better. They have to clean things up. And you have to find a way to get more pressure on the quarterback. But I don't think it's as simple as just putting an extra lineman, um, you know, on the edge. Uh, that can help at times. But this is this is more about confusing um, the offense and bringing guys from different angles and different vantage points. I think that's going to make a huge difference. When we come back, uh, this wide receiver room, third thing that really concerned me from this football game, where were the wide receivers? On Saturday, Jared Wiley was your was your leading target. We'll talk about that more next on Lockdown Hard Frogs. Do you want to mention our friends at FanDuel though? FanDuel.com slash lockdown, or you can download their easy to use app. 
Um, NFL season's coming up, man. Starts on Thursday. Lions, Chiefs, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. It's the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can be on everything from spreads to player player props and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, they are the official betting partner of the National Football League. So, final thing that concerned me from this game. Um, I'll first say, there were some qualms I had with the offense Saturday. You know, the play calling wasn't perfect. I talked yesterday about the horrible interception. Um, well, Travis Hunter made an amazing play, but throwing the ball on third and one from the five or the four-yard line didn't make a ton of sense in that situation, the way they were running the football. Um, and I think you could also say there needed to be more of a commitment to the run game because, I mean, they got what they wanted on the ground. Like, Amani Bailey had 164 yards. They had 260 yards overall, 7.1 yards per carry. Um, they were getting it done. And there were times where they just got too pass happy, frankly. Now, I think part of that is they were playing from behind for basically the whole game. But it was always a one-score game as far as I can remember. Like, Colorado never took a two-score lead. So it wasn't like they were just completely out of the ball game or anything like that. Um, but overall, I thought the offense was good. Chandler has to be better about not just staring down his wide receivers and seeing the field. And the interceptions can't happen. I mean, he was late on both those throws. Um, you know, completion percentage wasn't fantastic, but 279 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, he was he did his thing. Uh, and I had some I had some issues with the play calling and spots, but overall I thought it was okay. I am concerned about this though. I feel like I've been bamboozled a little bit, and it's my own fault. But in the spring and in the offseason, I did a couple shows about who's going to step up in the wide receiver room, especially those outside wide receivers. You're losing Quentin Johnston. you got guys like Savion Williams, um, Cordell Russell, Dalen Wright, DJ Allen. You know, who's going to be the, the players that step up? And I had um, – I was worried about it. I was like, somebody's going to have to be a big-time player for this group. But as the offseason went on, there was a lot of positive reports about these receivers. Sonny Dykes was like, yeah, we're so deep here. We go like 10 or 11 deep. And I think our room overall is better than last year. Well, on Saturday, as I said, Jared Wiley was your leading receiver. Six catches – uh, for 69 yards. J.P. Richardson, six catches for 63. Dalen Wright, two catches for 44. Jack Besh, two for 25. Warren Thompson, one for 18. JoJo Earl, one for 16. Chase Curtis, two for 15. Trent Battle, one for 12. Major Everhart, one for 11. Savion Williams, two catches for six yards. Um, a lot of guys there spread the ball around to a lot of different people. And I think there's a lot of solid wide receivers in this group. But who's the alpha? Who's going to take over and make a play? Is it J.P. Richardson? Can you be that guy in the slot? Can you consistently have a dominant slot receiver and feel good about that in college football? Um, I mean, there just weren't enough plays made. And 
Savion had a, a nice year last year, but he was, you know, number two, number three option. Um, obviously, Quentin commanded a lot of attention in the passing game. And so that made everybody's job easier. And you have some transfers that have been around, Warren Thompson, um, Dalen Wright. And Dalen Wright did some nice things. Only two catches, but he did have a touchdown catch. Um, and maybe the biggest play of the game, I mean, Chandler missed him. He was wide open on a, on a um, little post down the middle of the field, had the angle on the safety. If he puts that ball on the money, it might be a touchdown, but it at least puts him in really good field position with a couple minutes to go. Um, but who's the player that that kind of steps up and asserts their will here? Because there, there was not consistent separation. You know, Jalen Robinson's a guy I was super excited about. I think he had one target. Travis Hunter made a great play breaking up the football, um, and then he sort of disappeared. And so this is the thing that I'm worried about with the offense. You know, O-line, they weren't necessarily as dominant as I wanted them to be, but I broke it down. They ran the ball really well. Um, Chandler's got some things he needs to work on. He's got to protect the football. But overall, I thought he played well. Jared Wiley was great. But this receiving core, who's who's going to emerge as the guy for these wide receivers? And can you truly have a great receiver room if it's just receiver by committee and a lot of interchangeable pieces? Um, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk about the Big 12 didn't have a great weekend. So we'll break that down, and we'll sort of turn the page. We'll start looking at, okay, where do the Frogs go from here? And it starts with a game against an FCS opponent, Nickel State. I'm Steven Zimcox. This is Locked on Horn Frogs. It's your team every day.